0: What's up guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ podcast. I'm Tyler and with me on the other end of the line is my co-host Curtis. We have some huge events coming up here over the next two or so weeks. You know, We've got the early signing period opening tomorrow and running through Friday. And then the Rose Bowl game. It's hard to believe guys, but it's only two weeks away. Actually less than two weeks away. So before all of that went down, we want to get one more listener mailbag in. And as always, you guys, you never fail, you don't let us down. You guys send a bunch of great questions, and we will run through all of them momentarily. But first, just want to throw a couple quick reminders your way. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. love to get all your thoughts on the signing period coming up over the next couple of days, on the rose balls it approaches, any and all that stuff, guys, let us know what you think. We'd love to interact with you on all of those fronts. You can also, uh, for some of our newer listeners, find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Obviously, you are clearly listening to us somewhere, somehow. But uh, just make sure everyone knows, you can find us on some of the bigger outlets out there with uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well as dogsportsradio.com, which is part of the larger V-Sport O Internet Radio Network. You can also download... The Dog Sports Radio and vSporto internet app from your app store straight to your phone. So thanks, at all, as always, guys, for listening to the show. We really do appreciate it. And if you have a chance, it would also be awesome if you could rate and review the show on your preferred platform, give us some feedback. Um, we would sincerely appreciate that. But all right, Kurt, let's go ahead and open up the mailbag here. We've got a quite, quite a few questions. We want to make sure we get through everyone's question. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Let's start... With Jesse, Jesse has a great question. Uh, we're going to start with Jesse here since the early signing period is just around the corner, starting on Wednesday. Uh, and Jesse asks, "Who do you think signs with us this early signing period?" So straight to the point there, preacher the question, Jesse. And Kurt, what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to run through some of the names of guys that, at least as of now, are scheduled to sign during that early signing period, which obviously starts on Wednesday and runs through Friday. Uh, we've got Justin Fields; he's already committed. You feel good about him signing? Of course. Yeah, no doubt there. Uh, What about? Let's go with. Oh, I don't know, Luke Ford. Uh, I I believe he does. Yes. We got Luke Ford. The longest time
1: is Alabama and Georgia. Alabama took the other tight end, and so right now, uh, with like like it has been for a lot of these kids, we've been the constant, the one constant team. Right. there's There's
0: teams that have come in and out, but we've been there. For months now with Luke Ford, so I feel pretty solid there. If I had to put it for 60-65% somewhere there, but I feel pretty good that we will land Luke Ford uh, one of these days during the early signing period. Uh, one that's been uh, on the tips of everybody's tongue over the past week since he was here uh, over the weekend on his official visit with his mom and his dad is Cade Mays. A one-time Tennessee commit out of Knoxville, a five-star offensive lineman. It's really what seems like from all accounts, it's down to us and Clemson. So, Kurt, what's your take? Or do we end up landing Cade Mays come Wednesday? I don't
1: know. It really seems the kid is really torn, honestly. And from what it is, it seems like it's he's got one parent wanting him to
0: go, you know, one parent supporting him and one parent wanting him to go somewhere else. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's that. I've heard the same things, and like, I. It seems that that's the case. Uh, we don't know for 100% sure, but it seems like the mom, right, is the one who p- would prefer yeah. potentially him landing at Clemson for whatever reason. Uh, you know, Dabo has been negatively recruiting against us, talking about how, you know, we got all these players get in trouble, which is just ridiculous. Whatever. Um, but it happens. It's just the way recruiting works. And dad uh, is supporting Cade, and it seems like Cade is leaning towards Georgia, but mom, you know, mom. Always holds us with, and you never know what a family's uh, their family dynamic is. Who has the, the final say there? Who has more influence over Cade. I don't know. I guess we'll find out come Wednesday. Because right now, as of now, he's slated to sign at two thirty p.m. on Wednesday on ESPN did a TV signing as a five star there. So I don't know, man. I, it, I, I, I honestly can see this one going either way. If you had to put money on it right now, where would you lean?
1: I'd probably say Clemson, just because moms always went out somehow. Yeah,
0: they, they tend to they tend to. There's no doubt there. And I even mean, though
1: it, you know, ma- the dad the dad knows what it takes to get somewhere, and if he's supporting a kid going somewhere, you would think he'd have more insight and knowledge of where to go. But
0: yeah, but you're right. Moms seem to have that influence there with some of these guys. And 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 you know they're also selling their Clemson. They have more of a need on the offensive line. We've got all these guys we brought in the past couple years, you and, know, and Isaiah Wilson and last the thing, year. Though, they're selling.
1: They're selling their need. But they don't have a product which they're really selling. I mean, be- I mean, if you look at the record of their their uh, coach, their offensive line coach against ours, it's, it's not even a competition. I mean, our guy blows them out of the water. So, I mean, you can say, yeah, well, we you can play. But at the same time, you, you can also, as a coach for Georgia, you can say, yeah, you can play. But where will you develop?
0: Yeah, and the case in point there is Mitch Hyatt. Now, Mitch Hyatt's a good player for Clemson, that left yeah, he's tackle. he's played since he's a freshman. But
1: if you look at any if of the draft, you know, draft ratings, if he's... We have Isaiah Wynn's higher than him. Yeah, actually, school. I
0: saw – I forget exactly where I was looking, but there was one draft board I saw where it, I think it had uh, Hyatt at number 14 in, uh, of the uh, offensive tackles that were coming out, and it had Wynn at number five. And this is a guy – Win was not even close to the prospect that Mitch Hyatt was coming out of high school. Now, Win was a good, solid prospect, but he wasn't. Mitch Hyatt he was a five-star, all everything everybody wanted out of North Gwinn at high school. Uh, and he's – in, in, in reading what the scouts were saying about him, it's like okay, the fact that he plays in that spread system, it's kind of hurt his development because they don't they, they don't hold the ball very long. The quarterback gets the ball out of his hands very quickly. at a dual-threat quarterback that, that can really make things happen in his legs or things break down the pocket. So Hyatt essentially hasn't had to sustain and hold blocks for as long as you would in a pro-style system that he's going to have to transition to in the NFL. So I think that's something you have to consider here as well. Now, how, how well does mom understand all that? I don't know. Uh, but I, if I was saying, obviously, I'm biased. George's the place to be, obviously. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's hard to argue this with the success Clemson's had. They ha- they have this kind of close knit community there, where everyone's kind of all in. So, you know, some there are some things that might get swept under the rug more so than they would in Athens. Uh, kind of get to keep your name out of the paper if you happen to get in trouble. So, I, I mean, honestly, I could see him going either place. I guess if I had to lean one way, I'm with you here. I'd say maybe 51 to 49 here. He probably ends up at Clemson, but I, I don't think we're out of this by any stretch of the imagination. It really comes down to their family dynamic, and really it's hard for me to predict that because I just don't know how their family operates. We'll see. We'll see come Wednesday. Uh, Jamari Salier, the other big-time offensive lineman who's was on campus this weekend, uh, offensive guard from, uh, from Pace Academy, big-time top-10 national prospect. Do you see us laying Jamari Salier? Yeah, 100%, honestly. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you 100% there. Because there was some conversation, uh, people were kind of getting up in arms earlier in the week last week uh, where there were reports coming out of the Clemson side and also some, from some Georgia outlets, that he was going to be postponing his decision until the February signing period. He was going to take official visits to a couple different places, including Clemson, who is also right now second on his list, or up there with us. We're 1-2 and two, in whatever order you might want to see, uh, depending on what perspective you're coming from. But uh, that was kind of refuted, and after the visit this weekend, he came out and tweeted out that he will be signing on Wednesday during the early signing period. And to me, that just seals the deal, Right. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see him going anywhere but Georgia. He's signing 10:30 a.m. on Wednesday at SunTrust Park early in the morning, kind of get this over with. Uh, so I think he's going to be a dog 100. Uh, percent The other huge name here that people that that we've kind of gotten back in the picture with after he he was committed to Ohio State for a long time, and that's defensive lineman or really outside linebacker in my opinion, uh, pass rushing extraordinaire, Britton Cox. He's signing at 3 p.m. on Wednesday on ESPNU does Britton Cox end up signing with us, Kurt? Yeah, I believe he does. Well, yeah, I mean, he tweeted out uh, after this weekend on this official visit, he tweeted out uh, what's, what seemed to indicate that it's down to us in Alabama. Uh, and, again, go back to the idea of who's been the constant here, right? Now, I know he's been committed to Ohio State for a long time, but we've, we've never given up on him. We've kind of kept the the, the fires hot there, stoked the flames, and kept, kept with him and kept recruiting him. And we've we always seemed like we were that next team. Ohio State basically had sold him early on in the process that we don't develop players, we don't put guys in the league, which is crazy because Leonard Floyd is just tearing it up for the Chicago Bears. It was a was a first-round draft pick, but whatever. Um, Ohio State does put guys in the league, too. There's no doubt about it. got the the Bosa's up there. Um, But he kind of got sold a bill of goods there. But we've done a really good job of kind of sticking with him and kind of changing his mind. Obviously, he saw how successful we were this season. So it seems to be trending in our direction right now. Bama, you can never count Bama out, but I'm with you. I think Britton Cox signs with the good guys on Wednesday another guy uh that I, I'm huge I'm really high on if you guys listened to the show last week we went over our top five remaining uncommitted prospects I was just raving over this guy it's inside linebacker Channing Tyndall out of uh uh South Carolina just outside of Columbia actually now, the South Carolina Gamecocks thought they had him for a long time that we've been training for a while Kurt do we close the deal with Tyndall on Wednesday yeah I don't think there's any question yeah and what really and I you and I were talking about this over the weekend. Uh, and some of you guys probably saw this on Twitter also one of the things that kind of sealed the deal for me and really just feeling like okay, we got this guy locked up is uh you know Aziz Ojolari one of our, our I guess he's going to be a sign he hasn't signed yet but one of our commits uh, he, uh, he messed up his knee he was in the hospital had surgery and uh Justin Fields a couple other guys couple other commits they organized a trip up to go see him in the hospital he had Trey Hill uh he had Justin Fields uh Kiaris Jackson was with him and then oh the only guy that was not publicly committed there was who Curtis? Uh, it was Channing Tyndall. He was there. So when he's there visiting one of our, our, our commitments with three of our other commitments, I just leads me to believe if, he, if he's going to go out of his way to make that trip, uh, that's to me it's just a, an open secret there that Channing Tindall is going to be signing with us uh, come a couple of days from now. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about this one, but I guess there's a chance. You know, we came in for an official visit. We've got an opportunity here with Micah Parsons out of Pennsylvania, another pass rushing guy uh, signing 9:45 on on Wednesday. Do you give us a shot with Micah Parsons here? Um, I mean,
1: I think we have a shot. I think
0: we're in this final two. I mean, it looks like us um, or Penn State, right? Yeah. I, if I you're don't in the, know. And if you're in the final two, it, you, got, you always have a shot. If you're going to have a hat on the table on Sunday, you have a shot. And you never want to count Kirby Smart out. I would still say the odds probably lean towards Penn State here. Um, because you go back to using the same logic we used with us earlier with some other guys saying, hey, we've been the constant. We've, been, we've been the same thing with Penn State and Micah Parsons. It's going to be hard to pull him out of Pennsylvania like that. But I think we have a shot. Right now I would probably give Penn State the edge. I don't think it's an overwhelming edge. Uh, but I think we're going to have a shot on Wednesday. We'll see if Kirby Smart and company did enough to, to sway him to come down south. Uh, he's, he's, he's a bad dude, man. He's a highly athletic pass rusher. So it would be awesome. But I'd probably give Penn State the edge, right? Yeah. At this point? All right, and then the next guy here, we've got a DB, a guy that we're looking at playing corner right now, Devad Wilson. Do you see us getting him on sign, uh, uh, at some point over the signing period? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think so as well. So there's a couple names for you guys, some of the bigger ones that we've kind of been uh, to be in connection with. And some some of those guys are on official visits over the weekend. So let's go on to the next question here. One guy I didn't ask you about, Kirk, because I was going to save this question uh we got a question from g here says how worried are you about james cook he said he's committing in the early signing period between us and florida state do you think he's gonna flip this guy's been committed to us for a couple months now curtis do you think we actually end up signing james cook on wednesday i don't think there's a question honestly if you there was an article that came out i think on dog nation
1: um where his mom said it was no big deal that he was just you know just doing a courtesy, more or less.
0: And his mom, I I don't know how many of you actually really pay attention to his recruitment, all the interviews i have been given. He's not the one that really gives the interviews. It's his mom almost every time, and she's the one that's been raving about Georgia for a while. I'm sure, obviously, he likes Georgia. He probably would not be here, but moms do have an influence. So I thought that earlier with with Cade Mays, uh, but you know, his mom has kind of been driving this train uh, and speaking for the family. And it seems like she's again saying it's not that big of a deal uh, right now. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what she's saying. I have no reason to believe otherwise right now. And for some of you guys who might not exactly know, James Cook's the brother of Dalvin Cook. Obviously, Dalvin Cook was a star at Florida State. Uh, but it seems like James kind of wants to make a name for himself. He uh, doesn't want to be uh, Dalvin's little brother, which he would always be at Florida State. But Dalvin's little brother. So he wants to make a name for himself, kind of forge his own path. Uh, I still feel good about him signing. Uh, I think he, he... His mom has even said this, but... I think he feels good about the fact that we use multiple backs. We don't just feature one guy. So if, if he's good enough, if he earns carries, he's going to get carries, even as a true freshman. So I don't think he's going to flip. It is somewhat concerning that – I mean, I, I understand why somebody would be concerned that he takes his, the last official visit right before signing day to Florida State, right? Usually that might be a sign that something crazy might be going down. But I, just, again, like you said, listen to what his mom's saying. He's been committed to us for a while here. We've got the relationship with him for a long time. Willie Tigert's coming in at the, the last second trying to – to throw some desperation out there, he doesn't have much of a relationship with the cooks, so at least not like Kirby has and our staff has. So I, I still think that's going to win out in the end, and James Cook will end up signing with us on uh, Wednesday. Uh, next question is from Zach. Appreciate the question, Zach. Uh, he asks which recruit will have the biggest impact next year. I think it will be Anderson or Cox. So Kirk, Zach says Anderson, a- Adam Anderson or Britton Cox. Now we got to get Britton Cox first, but like we said, we feel like there's a pretty good shot we get into landing him. He thinks those guys are the biggest impact next year. In your mind, who might be that prospect?
1: Um, probably Adam Anderson right now. Um, but if it, I think I think it'll be Anderson. But if I was going for a wild card, you could look at Tyndall.
0: I, I think Tyndall could ha- I think he could be a really good player you too but never
1: know what's going to happen with Nate so I mean you got Rice more likely stepping into some role at the inside linebacker position uh, but Tyndall's the type guy they're Roquan guy that they want going forward so I mean I think he could come in and have you know I think he can make an impact at some point
0: I really think that Adam Anderson I mean you guys if you listen to the show and be talking about recruits you know that how, high I'm on, how high I am on Adam Anderson I think the guy's the best pure pass rusher in all of America right now but my only concern about him making a major impact in year one is I don't know if he is big enough right now. He's got the height, yeah, 6'4". He's got to put, put on weight. And maybe he does. Like right now, he's probably between 215, 220, somewhere around there. Uh, so he's got to put someone on. He can come in and be a third-down specialist – like DeAndre Walker was for a couple years before this year. Yeah, see, I mean, that's my
1: fear is that he could be Walker because Walker, like we said for a while, Walker's our best pass rusher, but he would never put on weight and wouldn't play consistent enough to get himself in the everyday or the every down situation to play.
0: Yeah, that, and so that's uh, that's my only concern is saying Anderson be the one that makes the biggest impact. Because I don't honestly, unless he puts on some seri- serious weight, I'm talking like twenty ish pounds, and he could maybe he comes in and. And really hits the weight room and, and with, the, with the nutrition team, and he puts on that weight. Maybe he does. I hope he does. He certainly has the frame to do it. He's already 6'4, but I just don't know if he's going to be an every down type player. I think right now he's going to be a, a third down pass rushing specialist, kind of like what Walter Grant was this year. And Grant did some good things for us, but I wouldn't say he was overly impactful, would you? Yeah. And I think Grant's going to be a really good player for us down the road once he adds on some weight. And I just, until I see Anderson put the weight on, I don't know if he's going to make a major impact in year one. On third downs, he can, but. I don't know how impactful that is if you're a one-down player as a true freshman. I think down the road, give him a year or two in the system and get bulked up, he, he's going to be a bad man. I absolutely believe that. But I just don't know in year one. A uh, uh, Cox could be that guy if we do end up landing him. You know, Zemir White would have been one of the obvious answers, right? Uh, yeah. But with the, with the ACL injury, you just don't know how he's going to respond to that. He's going to be ready by fall camp. He's going to be ready early in the season. Who knows when he's going to be ready. He's going to be the same type guy. We just don't know. So that kind of throws a little bit of uh, cold water on that one. Um what about a guy like Jamari Sawyer if we end up landing Sawyer like we both think we will could that guy potentially slide into one of those guard spots next year?
1: Oh I don't think there's a question that he could slide into it. Um I just think it I just I We
0: we have really two see. incumbents there right now which would make it difficult. Yeah and I
1: think I think uh uh, I, he has a chance to win the left guard position, but maybe Solomon McKinley steps up and him and I think going forward, him at Cleveland would be better than Baker right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, Baker, he's he's the guy right now that, that, be, that will be the incumbent starter, but Kirby, and you've seen in the past with these first two years in the Kirby Smart era, being the incumbent doesn't necessarily mean anything. Being the better player is what really matters. And so I think Kirby will give, give these guys every chance to win that job, and I think Sawyer is good enough to do it. Uh, but it, it's going to, he's going to have to flat out be better than, he's going to have to be unequivocally better than Baker is. Cause I think if it's close, he'll probably go with Baker with his experience, but I wouldn't count Salier out there. He's a guy that can make a big impact in year one. Uh, Justin Fields. Uh, what do you think about him?
1: Uh, I mean, the kid's an injury away from playing as we've seen before, yeah. but, uh, it, it really for him. It depends if he does actually enroll early or
0: not. That's the big question. Does Justin Fields enroll early? If if he does, if he enrolls in January, and it seems like we don't know. If, uh, it seems like he's going to be signing early, but whether he enrolls early, that's a different story. He's a baseball player. His family seems to want to play baseball a senior season. At least they've had some conversation about that. Uh, but to me, it's a no brainer because, if, if, in my opinion, with Jake from the kind of player he is and the kind of film rat he is. If Justin Fields waits to come in until the summer, I don't think he has any chance to overtake Fromm, do you? I, 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 and Justin Fields is incredible. He's really good, guys. I, mean, I and You guys know if you listen to the show, I've been on him for a long time, before he blew up. I uh, talked about how I thought he was better than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm a huge Justin Fields guy. But fromms he's a stud too. If you do not come in and compete from day one in January... I just don't know if you're going to be able to come in 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 June or so and and really legitimately challenge from for that job. Now you might get a package of plays, you know, where we want to run the football with with Fields, but I don't think you're going to legitimately challenge to be that starting quarterback. Uh, all right, let's go on to the next question here. Uh, this one is from Dale. He's asking about Justin Fields. Uh, Dale asks, how would you compare, or who would you compare Justin Fields to? How does his game compare to anyone else out there this year or in years past?
1: In all honesty, I mean, if you really want to realistic person I think he's closer to Cam Newton than he is like a Jalen Hurts um I think he's a little bit smaller than Cam Newton but he runs like him very powerful lowers his shoulder runs for people uh, but I think he's better fundamentally uh, he's a better fundamental passer but he's got a strong arm like Cam Newton had um uh, that's because Hurts is he Hurts and him run very similar but Hurts' passing is nowhere near what Fields is capable of he's
0: you're right saying that he's you know Cam Newton was a guy that came to mind too uh, for me because but Cam, Newton, they're both big guys. But Cam Newton's just bigger, all right. Even when he yeah, was in that's college, the only
1: difference is the size in them. Really. Yeah,
0: he's just bigger. Uh, and you, Fields is a big dude himself. He's six three, about 220, 225 right now. But but Cam Newton is, what was he? He's like six five, two forty five, something like that. He's yeah. just, a, he, I mean, yeah,
1: he's a lot bigger. But the way they run and the way they play is very similar. Yeah, they
0: they both have really good arms. They're both. Uh, I I would, I would say I don't want to say Fields is. A better passer than Cam Newton. I don't want to say that right now. Cam Newton. I mean, he just got
1: better fundamentals. Than yeah,
0: I, I think he. At, at this stage, Fields is a more advanced passer than Cam Newton was at, at the same stage. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I so. Yeah, and I, and, I, and they're very similar running styles. You're right; they both have really good speed. But they also can lower their shoulder with their size and run somebody over. I think that's maybe the closest comparison. Because and I'm was, I was really trying to think about this. I I don't know if there's a guy that's exactly like Justin Fields. Because like, you okay, you look at Jameis Winston, okay? Well, Fields and Winston may be similar passing quarterbacks from the pocket, but Fields is significantly a, more of a threat from uh, with his legs than than Jameis Winston was. Uh, you got a guy like Lamar Jackson with, the, kind of that, with those legs. I don't think Fields is that explosive as a runner. He's a really good runner. He's not quite as close as Lamar Jackson. He's a significantly better passer, more polished passer right now than Jackson is. Uh, You've a guy like Nick Fitzgerald. Maybe the the size quotient there is similar. But, again, he's a significantly more polished passer than uh, than, uh, Nick Fitzgerald is. Or even Dak Prescott at at the the same stage as Justin Fields is at right now. Uh, Then you look at – you mentioned Jalen Hurts. He's just bigger than Jalen Hurts. He's a better passer than Jalen Hurts. I think he might even be faster than Jalen Hurts. Uh, So I don't know if there's a guy – he's a cross between a lot of these different guys. I don't know if there's one dude that's just like Justin Fields. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but I just don't know if I've seen that guy. I guess I have to think about it a little bit more here. But I think you you were saying Cam Newton. I don't think that's too far off. Uh, Yeah, I mean, from the closest comparison, like I said, I mean, Hurts is just not their passing. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's definitely not that kind of passer. He's not near as polished or he doesn't have – I know people hate this word, but he doesn't have the arm talent that – that Justin Fields has at least in my estimation alright next question is from Alvin appreciate the question Alvin uh, Alvin asks which unexpected underclassmen do you think will leave early or transfer at the end of the season I'm not asking about Jacob Eason so Curtis outside of Jacob Eason who are some of the mo- more likely transfer uh, candidates here after the season ends I'm gonna think you're looking at people like Michael Hmm. I didn't think about him yeah Chigbu's a good one uh
1: I mean, you got to look at people on the offensive line like Sam Madden, Pat Allen. Yeah,
0: those two are on my card. list. Yeah, yeah,
1: the offensive line a lot. Those two guys mainly. Um, if, if Zeus hadn't gotten hurt, I think
0: you could say one of the running backs, but that's not the case right now. Um, and, and, and Elijah Holyfield is the popular candidate here. A lot of people were mentioning Holyfield's going to transfer. Back, I just don't think Holyfield's going to transfer. I think he, I think he realized, especially with Zeus's injury, that he's going to have a legitimate shot. He's gonna at least probably give it. I would say spring camp and fall camp to see if he's going to have a shot to to get some carries, and I think he will earn thought, some carries. I, I
1: thought it was a big, I thought it was a big thing uh, to me is that he was the one put it full back instead of Harrier. Yeah, well,
0: he's I think he's more physical back than is. I really do.
1: He is. I mean, he's a, he's a lot tougher runner. Thing, so I mean, I would have said one of the running backs, but not now. And I think defensively. Um, uh, if I was looking anywhere, I'd maybe look at one at the inside linebacker position, and maybe yep. one in the defense, uh like either a Tay
0: yep. or someone. Tay Crowder, yeah,
1: or, or even a uh, Jawan Taylor. Or and
0: then well, see, I don't know about Taylor because Taylor he'll be a rising senior. Maybe he wants to transfer and get some playing time his final year. Maybe yeah, I mean, go to an a grad transfer. To, yeah. What about Jaleel Liguins, like a guy that nobody's talking about? Jaleel sure, Liguins—that's a
1: very good one. I mean, he's been bouncing around position to position. Yeah, to he's, me,
0: he was hurt earlier in the year, and, and you just don't hear anything about him so Usually, when you don't hear anything about anybody or about guys like that, it's a good chance they might be going somewhere. I he's
1: on his—he's on the path if he stays at Georgia to be another Keon Brown.
0: Yeah, yeah, and if, I would say Keon Brown this list if he wasn't a rising senior himself. I think he's just kind of riding the gravy train right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see some of these older guys going to SCS schools, but that's about it.
0: What about Rashad yeah. Roundtree?
1: I think I would be shocked
0: if he took a medical disqualification. Yeah, I mean, and there's just so much mystery around what's going on with him. I don't know. Is, is, is it, it, there were reports that you know he wasn't practicing? Maybe it was a concussion, but he hasn't really been practicing with the team. Kirby's kind of been mum on that, but re- whatever's happening for a while, he wasn't with or practicing with the team. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. But I, I what, however that turns out, maybe it's, like you said, maybe it's a medical medical disqualification, maybe he transfers, whatever. I just I see. I, I'm not sure I see him on this team next year in some, in any capacity. I don't know how that will yeah. play out, but he just hasn't been a part of the team really much at all this season. So there's a couple names. And I hate kind of speculating on that because we just don't know. But if you look at the roster, there's a couple names, the guys that might not be on the team come next year. All right, uh, next one here. Uh, this is a good question from Jacob. Appreciate the question, man. Uh, he says, out of all of the coaches on our staff, who to you has been the most pleasant surprise so far? Kurt, where would you go I next? Mean, I don't that? think there's a question. That's Del McGee. I mean, Everyone yeah.
1: Coming into it, we kind of knew what Pittman's pedigree was with putting guys in the pros and stuff. Uh, but McGee was the biggest one. I want to say this was an- another one of Kirby's uh, first-time position coaches.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly who I have on my list here. Uh, I mean, all the other, I thought Mel Tucker would do a good job. He coming from the, you know, Kirby had worked with him. He knew what he was about. He was, uh, came from Alabama. Uh, as with, with uh, Schumann being, I know some people might say, "Well, Glenn Schumann is the first time being a position coach. How could you expect him to be that good?" Well, when Kirby makes you his first hire and brings you over from Alabama, then to me, that's a ringing endorsement. I trust Kirby on those fronts, and so I had really no doubt that he would be a good guy, a young, energetic recruiter. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. With Del McGee, I, I didn't think Del McGee would be a disaster. Now, there were a lot of people who were like, what are you doing hiring this guy? You know he has no experience in the SEC. Blah, blah blah. We could do better than that. But Del McGee has shut everyone up. And I, I wasn't one of those guys that thought that he'd be a disaster hire. I just wasn't 100. Sh- percent I didn't know what to think. You know, it's like okay. Well, I mean, I was willing to give the guy a chance. But I, I, and I thought he could do a good job, especially with the fact that he came from the high school ranks and kind of understood how that works and how and what high school coaches want uh, from college coaches and how they're recruiting their players and and how to recruit high school players. I thought he had the makings of a guy that could be good. But I'd be lying if I said that I thought he would turn out to be as as dominant a recruit as he has been, right? I mean, did you see this coming? No, I think, yeah. I mean, I didn't see it at all, and he's just been, he has been ridiculous on the recruiting trail. No doubt about it. Uh, all right, next one here. This is from John. Now, have got a couple questions from John here uh, about the Rose Bowl game. We've got a couple questions for you in the show about the Rose Bowl. John's the first one here. John asks, How do you think Jake Fromm will match up against the Oklahoma secondary? Kurt, how do you see that matchup?
1: Um, I think he'll match up well in the fact that, let's be honest, I just don't think that their secondary does anything special, um they're, they're
0: okay at best yeah
1: they don't tackle well they don't play coverage well so i think if i were georgia i would more or less just try to get the ball out of his hand quick and try to let our guys make plays um i think um to me him you just like we said before you take pressure off him by throwing him on early downs things get the ball out of his hands quicker and don't let him sit in the pocket and you know uh and i think that and i think that will open it up and take a lot of less pressure off him and you know you got to remember that we have probably one of the best running back rotations in the nation, and they our guys are our, our guys are our running backs are bigger than their linebackers and things like that. So having bats going to take a lot of pressure off him, which will allow him um, to you know focus on what he's got to do.
0: Yeah, what I would say here is I think people don't give Jake Fromm quite enough credit. I know he's a true freshman, and we don't have necessarily a prolific passing game. but That's by design. We don't throw it much. No, we don't. We do not throw it much, but. That doesn't mean we don't throw it well when we choose to. Jake Fromm, guys, is the sixth-rated passer in the country as a true freshman. He's also sixth nationally in yards per attempt. All right, When we want to throw the football, Jake Fromm gets the job done. And this Oklahoma secondary is okay. They're not atrocious, but they're not very good either, not particularly good. I think if we choose to throw the ball, if and when we choose to throw the football, I think we can have some success, and I I completely, 100% trust, trust Jake Fromm to get the job done when he's asked to do it. And that's just, I mean, I know some of you don't necessarily agree with me on that one, but that's exactly how I see it. The stats back it up. When we throw the football, we are very, very effective. We just don't do it all that often. But when we do, we're pretty dang good at it. Uh, Next question also from John. John asks, outside of the line of scrimmage, what do you think will be the second most important aspect of the game for our boys in the Silver britches? I agree with John that the line of scrimmage is probably where this game is going to be won and lost on both lines of scrimmage. But outside of that, Kurt, what would you what would you pick as the second most important aspect of this game? Just are not giving up the big play. God, dude, you're stealing my stuff again, man. Yeah, I agree with you. That's what Oklahoma thrives off of, guys. They're number one nationally in plays of 30-plus yards on the season. They have 55 plays of 30-plus yards on the season. It's going to be critical for us. because Now, we don't want to get into an, all, an all-out an all shootout with them. Now, they're going to score points, but we don't want to get into like a 40, 50-point shootout with them because I don't think we're going to win that matchup. So in order to keep the score down somewhat, obviously we need to hold the football and play our game with our with our pace and our tempo – but we also need to keep them from hitting those explosive plays because if you give them one, two, three-play scoring drives, well, that's when they start racking up points. If you force them to go the length of the field, and these longer, more methodical drives, have to go 10, 12 plays, things like that, well, then that's, that slows down the game a little bit, plays into our hands. They're not, they're not going to get as many possessions that way. They're not going to put up as many points on the board. Plus, it also gives you more opportunities to, to force a turnover. And More bad things can happen if they've got to go 10 to 12 plays as opposed to 1 to 3 plays. So I'm with you there 100% because I think it's going to be critical for us to contain this offense. I, they are they are the most explosive offense in the country, but we've done a really good job uh, this year in limiting explosive plays outside of really the Missouri game. So I think that's going to be a critical matchup, and we'll see who, who comes out on top of that. I think that might really go a long way to determining the outcome of this game. Uh, next question from Tim, also th- uh, regarding the Rose Bowl here. With a month to plan, what surprise player do you think has a big game? I'm thinking Mecole. All right, Kurt, so Tim's thinking Mecole is going to be that surprise player. Who would you pinpoint? Um, I might go to the tight ends. That's exact, Dude, you're stealing my thunder again, man. Like, for me, honestly, at this point, is Miko really a surprise player if he has a huge game? Not as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I I get it. He's not... You expect a guy like Sony or Chubb or maybe even Javon Williams to have a big game ahead of Miko, but... Over the past couple weeks of the season, I I should say the last few weeks of the season, Mikko really came on. He had a couple big third down receptions, a big RPO reception uh, in the SEC title game. So I think Mikko's coming on. He hasn't been that consistent for us all year. Now, if he went out and had 150 plus yards, that would be a surprise, right? Uh, But I'm with you. I would look at the tight ends here. If you had to pick one, you're going to go Nada, you're going to go Warner, Jeb, even. I would, I would probably Warner and Nada. Yeah, I would go. I, I think Nada could have a could potentially have a good a big game here. Their linebackers are not particularly athletic. They're they're not terrible, but I, I think this is a matchup that we could exploit if we choose. And we haven't really chosen to use the tight ends all that much. We don't really throw the football all that much. And I know people have been just screaming for us to use the tight ends more this year. I think there's a potential chance this could be the game where some of those guys might have a coming out party. It'd be awesome to kind of see here in, the, in a big time setting like that. Uh, last question here today is from Ellis. Uh, last we're going to wrap it up with a recruiting question. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Ellis asks, who would you compare Micah Parsons to, outside linebacker from Pennsylvania, Gert? Is there a comparison you can make there?
1: Um, I think he's similar to Ledbetter in the bigger body type compared to someone like a Brenton Cox.
0: I think he's more athletic than Ledbetter is. I mean, this yeah, guy yeah, plays yeah, running back for his high school. His body type is similar. Yeah, body, yeah, he's got the big body type. There's no doubt about it, but he's he is... Crazy athletic for his size. I mean, Michael. I mean, if you watch his tape, this guy not only does he just play running back, but he plays it well. I mean, he's very smooth back there. He doesn't look like one of those big. He's not like a big lumbering fullback that just runs people over. He runs by people. So he's a very highly athletic uh, player. That's a, that's gonna be a, a big time pass rusher on the next level. I don't. I don't know, man. Like a, a Julius Peppers type guy, maybe. I know that's that's high praise. Julius Peppers is probably gonna be in the Hall of Fame or potentially one day. He's been an All Pro for many, many years. Um, but maybe that kind of athleticism, explosiveness off the edge, mix, kind of mixed with the size, uh, and I know that's a little bit of high praise, and maybe he's not quite to that level, but that kind of body type and athleticism together, I, that combination, that's kind of how I see Micah Parsons. All right, guys, that'll do it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to the show. Uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs.